Welcome to Ask the $50 Billion Man with high-performance executive success coach, Dan Pena. The only show where you ask and you get complete, no-holds-barred answers. And now, your host, Dan Pena. Hi, kids. And I call you all kids because I'm old enough to be at least your father, if not grandfather. Welcome to 007 podcast, Ask the $50 Billion Man. Uh, depending on uh, how uh, Bulletproof Executive shoots and then uh, films and shoots, you may or may not have already seen me on Bulletproof Executive, uh, which is uh, due to be uh, filmed uh, here in uh, 12 or 13 days. But be that as it may, first thing I want to cover is the chart that's uh, sitting off to my left-hand side. As you may or may not know, we just finished our August seminar at the castle. It was a resounding success. Uh, I hate to keep saying that this seminar was better than all the rest, but it, 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 it probably was. But one of the things that was, came up, and they, we had some smart kids. It was like the United Nations. We had people from Jordan. We had people from uh, uh, Afghanistan. We had people from Australia. We had people from America. We had people from Canada. We had people from all over the place. We had people from Belgium is the difference in work ethic that came up. And um, as you know, if you've listened to these podcasts before and you've read any of my material and you've read uh, excerpts from uh, your first 100 million, you know that I have a very strong work ethic and I got that work ethic from my dad. I go into detail how I got that work ethic, but what I want to show you in the chart that's uh, to my left is the difference between me and my work history and the work history of probably every single person watching this. What the bar chart indicates, the, the tallest blue column uh, on my right, perhaps your left, shows me working for 50 years, 15 hours a day, seven days a week. So that's not counting the days that I work 24 hours. It also doesn't count the days I only work five, six, seven hours, but on average. And astonishingly, it shows I'm 131 plus years old meaning I have 131 years of experience uh, based on the norm, which is the column all the way to the other side that shows if you work five days a week, eight hours a day, and took normal vacations. Uh, so when I tell you that I'm experienced, and when people tell me that how smart I am, it's really not. It's just merely, uh, not discounting that I am smart, but it, it's just merely that I've worked a lot more hours than you. So I have worked... I'm 131, I'm really only 70, so that means, you know, I've got 60 years plus experience than virtually anybody else my age, except for a few. There are other uh, luminaries like Michael Milken over the years that were, could, only needed a couple hours sleep. Uh, I've told stories, uh, which are true, not fic fic fiction or anything like that, about Bill Gates, uh, Ted Turner, and Steve Jobs sleeping at their office just as I did. Uh, one of the great comments of Ted Turner's uh, recent 75th birthday anniversary was you accomplish so much more in a 24-hour day. Of course, the first 10 or 20 years, uh, he slept on a couch in his office while he was building CNN. So this as a basis, if you don't work long hours, and I know there's a lot of people that would like to think that there's something other than long hours, uh, and if you're not passionate and if you're not committed, uh, the chances of you uh, being a uh, high-performance super success are remotely uh, diminished. Now, the first question we're going to have 
is a question from our voicemail. Uh, we've got a number of voicemail on our toll-free number. People are actually using it now, thank goodness. Uh, and it's a long question, so <laughs> stay awake uh, and keep up. But it's a good question, otherwise I wouldn't start with it. Hi, Dan. This is Tomas Vashley calling from Nashville, Tennessee. My question to you is, what goes through your mind when faced with a competitor? Furthermore, let's assume that that competitor has some type of advantage over you. How do you adjust your approach accordingly? Okay, the question roughly, roughly is, if your competitor has a distinct advantage of you, how do you deal with it? And how do you deal with it uh, and adjust your approach? And um, what in QLA or what format in QLA allows you to do this? Well, it's very simple. Self-confidence, self-esteem, um, practice, practice, and practice. Many people are going to have a competitive advantage over you mostly based on experience because of the chart that I just showed you, the experience of most of the people that you're going to come up against is going to be greater than yours. But that's why you have your dream team. That's why you have your mentor. That's why you have uh, your mentor hopefully acting as your chairman. Uh, with that as a background, you will automatically feel more self-esteem, more self-confidence. Uh, and the more self-esteem that you show in that meeting or in those meetings, sooner than later, and probably from the very beginning, the advantage will switch to you uh, and it's something uh, that you don't have to worry about. But it's not that you're adjusting your approach. You're following the QLA methodology, you're following the QLA format, you're following the QLA template that has worked for tens of thousands, countless amount of people, many of which have no experience. My, one of my favorite stories is um, not a story, it's a, true, it's a true story that uh, one of the bigger deals that I accomplished uh, through QLA in the UK was with one, one young kid that had one O level. I believe he had a C in joinery. Joinery means uh, uh, carpentry. Uh, we did a substantial privatization on the London Stock Exchange where we took a, a public company, we brought it private, and we uh, merged it with another uh, a company uh, very successfully. Uh, but that young man had passion, uh, that young man had heart, that young man uh, wanted this deal done more than life itself. Uh, an interesting comment while I was in the UK uh, recently, I by accident heard, uh, I believe his name is Eric Thomas, I'd never heard of him before, but he's called the hip-hop preacher. Uh, and he's a good public speaker, he's a former uh, professional football player, and he's got a great comment. I say it in different words, but he says, if you've got to want success more than you want air, more than you want to breathe. Uh, I couldn't say it more succinctly, except he jumps around uh, and he wears a baseball cap, and he's got a few other uh, hip-hop comments uh, that he uses as adjectives. But the, but the bottom line, that's it. Okay. Uh, let's get on with the, uh, the, the written questions now. Uh, would you consider expanding QLA's raising capital module in the future to include crowdfunding component? Um, I think we had a question like this a couple of podcasts ago, similar, but the answer is yes. But uh, heretofore, we have not ha had to use crowdfunding, 
It's not, it's not a uh, viable alternative, but we haven't had to use it because we've been able to find the, um, the finance for our transactions in, in uh, more or less the normal market. But uh, we're looking at it now uh, to fund a couple of things. There's some upsides and downsides to crowdfunding, and I believe one of the other questions later on in this podcast uh, directs that, is directed at that. Mr. Pena, how much do you think existing solar and wind power plants will be, excuse me, affected by the climate change uh, tipping point. All Earth systems would irreversibly change as a result of the changing climate. This means wind patterns and the areas of the solar uh, energy will change, so whatever predictions made will become incorrect. Uh, that is correct. So, it's... I'm not a big believer in solar, uh, 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 the earth warming, as many of you know. But one of the reasons is if it's true, for example, I'm just going to go through a couple. Florida will be gone. Los Angeles will be gone. The Netherlands will be gone. London will be gone. Uh, all the properties that are being built there today should have a disclaimer on the prospectus for investment you know, if global warming happens and the, and the water level raises 10 to 30 feet, like it's supposed it might in the next 20 to 100 years, your investment will be underwater. Um, the, uh, in addition to that, the windmills, uh, the wind power uh, by wind will change because the wind patterns are going to change. In addition to that, the sun um, uh, and its ability to, to warm uh, through nature will change. All that stuff is, would change. Um, thankfully, I'll be uh, hopefully long gone. Um, but uh, as I said, uh, three years ago, almost three years ago, when my wife Sally and I went to renew our vows at the Magnetic South Pole, we were there with scientists. It was the uh, centennial for uh, the discovery of the South Pole. And we had scientists pull up cores of ice about a meter long. Uh, and they showed by pointing at the different uh, uh, fragments or stratas that 55,000 years ago, it was approximately six degrees warmer Celsius uh, uh, than it is today. So I'm a believer that uh, global warming is all cyclical. Unfortunately, if you're in the middle of the cycle, it's 100% for you. And so right now, a lot of people are getting wealthy off of it. In fact, I'm looking at a couple of solar deals, and I'm involved with all, one alternative energy deal myself. Uh, one of the questions uh, that I was asked, uh, what was the pitch Lucinda Burke uh, used to raise so much money uh, in the 90s? Well, she had 100% passion, 300% passion, the little lady. Uh, and she used that, but in the industry that she was pitching, it was uh, mobile home parks. And uh, at that time in the 90s, mobile home parks, the average cash flow in the industry was 67%. And that normally sucked people into the vortex because if you can't manage something that's got a positive cash flow of 67%, then you ought to be uh, you know, jumping in front of a bus. Uh, can, I can I contact you, Dan, for an occupation? I assume they mean, can I contact you for a job? Uh, sure, uh, but I only uh, entertain people uh, and doing deals with people that have uh, attended uh, the Castle Seminar. Uh, that sounds exclusive because it is, uh, because in a week I see whether I want to be involved with you, number one, 
Number two, if you've got passion, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and number three, uh, if uh, you might make, uh, and I don't bring many employees out of there, or hire many employees, if I want to bring you onto one of my teams. Um, how, how do you uh, enforce self-discipline? Tough as hell. But part of the self-discipline process is obviously how you were raised by your parents uh, and, and whether what kind of background you've got. Uh, uh, did you get through school in uh, ten, eight years like I did, university, or did you get through in two years? Um, but how you, 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 you round that all up, so to speak, is you, by the people that you hang around with now, most of the lack of self-discipline you have is due to the five people, the average of the five people that you were raised by, and the people that are your friends now. I say uh, in uh, my blog uh, and social media, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If your friends are undisciplined, uh, you'll be undisciplined. If you begin to be associated with people that are disciplined, uh, your self-discipline will increase geometrically. Are you sure you can uh, make uh, rich an 18-year-old who lives in one of the poorest countries? No, I'm not positive that I can make uh, a, uh, an, just any old 18-year-old kid. But if the 18-year-old kid has passion, the 18-year-old kid once, as uh, the hip-hopper uh, that I commented on a few minutes ago, wants success more than he wants to breathe, the answer is yes. There's countless stories of kids from poor backgrounds uh, I didn't come from one of the poorest countries. I certainly was, uh, came from a, a relatively poor family uh, near the barrio in Los Angeles. So, uh, yes, it's, it is possible. And we had, uh, in this recent seminar, we had a poor kid. He wasn't from a poor country, but he was poor. He was 20 years old. But he was there because he had a passion. Um, if you weren't employed with little money, what steps would you take uh, to make your first million? Well, if you don't have a passion for something, if you're not in love with something, uh, if there's something that uh, keeps you from sleeping at night, there's little chance uh, that you're going to uh, make your first million anytime soon. Most people make their first million through serendipity, by luck. Uh, and then they try to parlay that luck into some sort of small fortune. Uh, but the first step is to find something you love, find something that you're willing to do no matter what, for no pay, and then the money will come. If you were reborn in antiquity, um, but all the wonders of the world were already uh, there standing, what would, you, what would you build for people in the future to remember you by? Well, I, I'm not so concerned that people remember me. What I am concerned about, and the reason why I give all my product away, I tell you to go to Torrent, I have countless, endless pages of content on my sites, uh, is that I want QLA to be remembered. If I'm remembered in conjunction with QLA, so be it. Uh, but to build something, I'm building the QLA path platform. Um, just as um, Napoleon Hill uh, left us with in a, a, a number of books, but uh, the, probably the most famous is Think and Grow Rich, uh, I, I want people to remember QLA and uh, perhaps your first 100 million. Uh, recently, uh, in recent years, I should say, been referred to as the Latter-day Saint Napoleon Hill or the 21st century Napoleon Hill. Well, that's a great honor. Uh, I haven't accomplished anything like Napoleon Hill has. Of course, my market is much more focused. Napoleon Hill's market is for more or less for the masses. Mine isn't for the masses. Uh, mine is for a very small segment. Although the masses can use QLA 
and can read the book and apply it. I've been asked uh, what my success ratio is with QLA uh, in the QLA seminar. It's 100%. Uh, I've changed everybody's life that went through there. Uh, and uh, their goals aren't necessarily my goals, but they, you, you can't help but expand your goals. So what would you do if you were uh, where I am now? Well, uh, not knowing where you are now, but generally understanding the question, um, find something that you're in love with. Find something that you can be passionate about. Find something that you're willing to work on uh, night and day for no money. Uh, a lot of people are hooked, uh, addicted to the internet. Uh, we talk a lot about that. We talk about how it's uh, not necessarily so, uh, such a, a, a mentally healthy thing to be addicted to the internet. But find something that you're that addicted to and you'll succeed. Um, a gentleman says, I say it's a gentleman, I don't know if it's a gentleman. Uh, Cure multiple sclerosis. Dan, that is what I have. Can money do that? No. Money can't cure your multiple sclerosis, but what money can do uh, is pay for the research to find a, a possible cure for multiple sclerosis. Uh, we're all dealt cards in life. Some cards are bad, some cards are good. Uh, but we have to deal, we have to play the game with what the cards were dealt with. Uh, I was dealt some average cards and I turned those average cards into winning hands. Uh, so uh, not that you can ignore the fact that you've got multiple sclerosis or any malady, but uh, it's not what happens to us in life, it's how we react to what happens in life that separates the high performance person from everybody else. Uh, do you think we should have mandatory military service and why? Yes, I do. I think that we should have mandatory military service because all I can say is they used to say in my day, the military, give us a kid and we'll give you back a man. That's exactly what happened to me. And I just have to stand up when I say this uh, because the, um, the kids today are too uh, uh, undisciplined. Kids today uh, think that they have a, a right to success when they don't. Kids today... Uh, not all kids, but most kids. Kids today think that uh, the world owes them a living, and it doesn't. Uh, I'm here to tell you that military service would be a good thing. Now, this is a very unpopular thing that I'm saying right now, and I realize that, but I've said a lot of things that are unpopular. So uh, I'm not too concerned with that. Uh, do most uh, personal development coaches talk... Uh, no, mo why do most personal development coaches talk of the art of war, yet they steer clear of controversial subjects that are not considered politically correct? Well, if I have to explain this to you, I don't look like the other PD coaches, I don't sound like them, and I don't give a shit if you like me or don't like me. I give you my product because I don't give a fuck if you buy it or not. I mean, they steer clear of controversial subjects for that very reason, because they're trying to fucking sell you something. If you can't understand that, then I can't help you. Why do I have so much disdain for boot camps and uh, reference seminars? Because they're not boot camps. For what I just said about personal development, these guys wouldn't know a boot camp of a bit in the groin. And I think it's, it's a disservice to the people that did serve like I did and are continuing to serve. And I take my hat off to every single one of them. Why do you say passive income is not how to build wealth? Because you become passive.
That's the whole point why passive income doesn't work to become super wealthy. Just to reiterate about passive income and building wealth. Wealth is built on a, a series of transactions, not just one. There's a reason why 95% of all businesses that are for sale, almost, I think it's worldwide, don't sell. Because they're all trying to uh, get wealthy off one transaction. They've had a business 10, 15, 20, 30 years or more, and they've gotten sick, etc., or it's time to retire, and they want to sell it. And so now they're trying to get rich off one transaction. Instead of taking income out of your business in good years or in bad years, so when you go to sell it, you don't have to sell it for 10 times what it's really worth. But the main reason that I don't like passive income because it makes you lazy. It makes you fucking passive. I mean, there's a word why it's called passive. So you can sit down on your big fat ass. That's why on a beach. And that's not what I believe in and that's not what the high performance people believe in. I mean, did you see, God rest his soul, uh, Steve Jobs with his uh, ass on a beach? No. I think I've said enough about that. Well, I got ahead of myself. I just told you why most businesses don't sell. Because they're trying to get rich off one transaction. How, true, uh, how is true to uh, wealth build? These people that English isn't a uh, primary language for them, it's cute questions. How is true wealth built? True wealth is built through a series of transactions, like I just said. Needless to say, I practiced this, so I got ahead of myself in the slides, because I know what the slides are coming. I'll try, to, I'll try to back off and be more normal. Why should the bank uh, or financial institution be interested in your deal? They, they, very simple. They have to put the money to work, you dipshits. They have the money, and when they lend it out, depending on the banking regulations, depending on the con uh, country, etc., they, ha they, they, ha they lend it out 15 to 30 times. So they have to get it out. So that's why they're interested in your deal. As I've said countless, countless, countless times, every doofus deal on the planet can be financed somewhere. Probably not next door, maybe not even in your city, but somewhere. And you've got to go out, get off your dead ass, collecting your passive fucking income, and, uh, and, and go find it. How do I invest, uh, how do I invest in disease and anti-aging research? I am interested in solving problems in the field. I already own some uh, mid-sized companies. Find somebody that has already been successful in that and partner, joint venture, because then you created an instant track record, which is what uh, QLA is all about. And then you can invest in the things that you're interested in. What can we all learn about strategic success from the family offices of the ultra-wealthy. How does uh, privacy and security fit in a good wealth management framework? What this gentleman uh, or lady is referring to is super wealthy families have wealth management offices all over the world to look at um, uh, investment opportunities. Uh, they have them in third world countries, etc. cetera. Uh, they're trying to spread their risk. I don't believe that in that so much. Uh, and uh, they are uh, in, involved in uh, the creation of a system that guarantees a return of the capital, not a return on the capital. I say this again. Uh, at my stage of my life, and when you have a great deal of wealth, you are interested in a return of the capital, not as much as a return on the capital. 
Um, I think privacy issues and security issues, especially on the internet, are extremely uh, hot because they're on the internet, and it's a good place to, uh, for, to invest. And I know uh, uh, several uh, extremely uh, large, wealthy families do the very same. I got cards of CEOs, uh, chief operating officers, lawyers, accountants, producer, producer, uh, accountants, producers, financiers, and entrepreneurs of Oscar-winning films and other studio uh, successes. But what I do, uh, what do I do with these uh, contacts now? How do I utilize them when I have no business? What should I email them at this point if I have no um, deal to share? Okay. This is somebody that has gone to an event, collected a lot of cards, and because they feel insecure because they their, their idea isn't formulated, they don't know how to follow up with all the leads uh, that they have generated. I, I say at the seminar, I say in the book, I say on my site, you've got to sell them on yourself first, on your idea, generically. Your idea is going to change. It's going to pivot, as they say in the uh, venture capital uh, world. And people that have invested in anything in their life know that it's going to change. So don't be tied down with not understanding or knowing exactly what you want to do. The important thing is to get smart, intelligent, high-performance people on your bus with you, and you'll figure out what to do once you have them. How do I keep calling Adelson, who's a billionaire, uh, for example, without appearing to be a lunatic? This is another young kid that I work with that is uh, concerned that political correctness deems that if he uh, continues to call like a madman, the guy will think he's crazy. Well, I, I've told the story uh, many times where uh, it's like the movie of Wall Street. Uh, Gecko was called on a hundred times, I think, by the young uh, stockbroker before um, he uh, answered uh, him and gave him a, a, a brief interview. Who was keeping track of that hundred times? As I've told you in the past, uh, Bruce Whipple and I were in business many years ago, and we were calling on Kraft Foods, as my memory recalls, and uh, he took Bruce Whipple's 100th call. Now, is it a coincidence that he took the 100th call? No. The CFO was keeping track of the calls, and, the, um, and so was Bruce. Uh, I was just watching a podcast of a... Um, uh, uh, program uh, that it's been suggested I go on. I wanted to see some of the things they do on their podcast. And it was interesting. The uh, founder of the podcast says he has three piles on his desk. Not on his handheld device. Okay, the first request, you know, he prints out apparently the email for the first request of him. He doesn't answer it. He has a pile, a second request. He doesn't answer him. He doesn't even put the, he puts the third request in a pile that he would answer or he would respond to because he's measuring how uh, important it is to the guy. Uh, I have a similar uh, method. I know some people that delete the first three, four, or five requests. And if you don't make more than three or four or five requests, they, they, they never respond. The same guy, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, got uh, T. Boone Pickens to respond to him. By letter, because T. Boone's a guy that's made probably 10, 15 years older than I am, and he's an old-fashioned guy. He still writes letters. So, but he said, that, thank you for the, uh, the opportunity. Thank you for asking him to be on your board, Dream Team, but he's too busy. 
Uh, why, uh, anybody, uh, why Dan Pena, pros recommend me, anybody, lawyer, accountant, construction to make only small, oh, this is another guy, his English is in his primary language. Why do the professionals, lawyers, etc., make only small project in real estate or in his endeavor um, available to him and he, they only recommend that this guy do those small deals. Because when you do big deals, you'll get probably different representation and the blood-sucking fucking smaller lawyers and smaller accountants won't get fees. So they want to keep you in the small fishbowl. It's very simple. Uh, why do you say we all need overdrafts and lines of credit? Because you never know when there's going to be an investment opportunity. You never know when you might need an extra 20000 50000 or 300000 depending on your line uh, of credit or overdraft. And a line of credit and an overdraft, for those of you that don't understand it, is a, a pool of money that the bank allows you to use, pay a fee for it, to have it sit there, and not, even when you're not using it, but they've already approved the credit. So that means when you need the money, you can get the money in 24 hours or 48 hours. But all businesses need that. Now, now because some credit cards, and maybe I'm speaking because my credit card limits, I have a couple credit cards uh, that I think don't have any limit. Uh, the, you, but, but even 20 years ago, I, I remember that you could ha get a um, master charge with $20,000 uh, limit on it. You can do some you know, serious damage. You can buy, uh, put a down payment on a small business. I mean, uh, that works. So get an overdraft uh, and or line of credit, depending on what part of the world you are. How do you manage uh, your exercise when you travel extensively? How do you handle jet lag? Okay, I'm going to start with jet lag first. And I, I think we have a disclaimer on these podcasts that I'm, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I will. Uh, make sure you ask your lawyer, your accountant, etc., your own for your own personal uh, investment advice, and ask your rabbi, priest, uh, minister, whatever, shaman. But jet lag is for cunts. Now, the uh, I just got back from two two months on the road. Other than gaining six pounds, which I've already lost four pounds of it in the three days that I've been back, um, the. Um, and as I said, I was being interviewed in Hyde Park by the Financial Times many years ago. And they said, Mr. Pena, you were in Amsterdam yesterday. You were in Houston two days before that. And yet you were in London five days before that. You were in uh, Moscow. You were, and they said, doesn't jet lag bother you? And I said what I just said. Uh, no, um, uh, I mean, jet lag is for cancer for weak people because I believe very strongly that it's mind over matter. Now, as I'm getting older, I'll be 70 my next birthday. Uh, and by the way, my 69th birthday was a, uh, a lot of fun, and uh, the, my wife, who took me to Scandinavia and parts of Russia, uh, but um, the, uh, it's in your mind. But if you're not busy, if you don't love what you do, then jet lag, I'm told, uh, will affect you. But I might also add, since in the last few years, I've, I've discovered melatonin, which is a non-addictive thing, pill that you can take that induces sleep which uh, does help me get back on uh, a normal sleep uh, rhythm. As for exercise, I'm not one of these guys that says uh, that, that as soon as I hit the new time zone, I start exercising. I don't do that. Normally, when I hit a new time zone, I do two things. I eat a little something, and I take a nap between one and two hours. Then I go back to my normal schedule. Uh, even while I'm traveling, even while I was in Africa, and even no matter where I am, I'm on a cruise, or uh, I, I exercise at least five days a week, uh, some days seven. 
so um, the, uh, because if you can't stay mentally fit, I mean, I had this suit made for me in the uh, middle late 80s, and it still fits. I can't say that for most of the people watching the show that are old enough to have had clothes made or any kind of clothes bought from the 80s. Uh, and so um, the, uh, you have to stay physically fit. Has your exercise modus operandi changed and why? Uh, no, it hasn't changed. I've been on the same one for at least 20 years. Uh, the only difference is that um, as I think my last newsletter had a little clip in it for a couple minutes of that shows the intensity I have still in the gym. Um, and uh, I try to work out, uh, when I say try, that means I do. When I say I try, it means I do. I work out very hard, um, but I still like the gym. That's another thing, I enjoy exercise. I've convinced myself part of the reason that I've been very successful is I'm very fit. Now, whether that's true or not, I'll never know. But up here, I think it's true. Therefore, it is. Uh, why, did, uh, why do high performers uh, of old not, oh, why did high performers of old times not exercise? Uh, well, they also didn't live as long. Um, I don't think, uh, I, I, I don't think, I know that exercise uh, as a regimen wasn't uh, considered uh, important. But Andrew Carnegie, a fit little guy that he, uh, he must have been, he lived to 87, I think, um, who's, in my judgment, the, the greatest entrepreneur of all time, who comes from right down the road from Guthrie Castle uh, in uh, Dunfermline, Scotland. I tried to buy, or I considered buying, uh, his castle, uh, Skibo Castle, many years ago, but then when I found out it had 105 bedrooms and I knew what it cost me just to refurbish 22 bedrooms, I decided against it. Uh, but they didn't exercise as much. Um, the, uh, but they, they worked hard. But they also didn't have processed food. They didn't have all the things that we have working against our health. Now, we get a lot of interesting questions, but uh, this question um, I'm about to answer is um, stretches the, the boundaries of uh, interesting. I'm going to first read the question, then I'm going to make a few comments about it. Dan, as a religious man, do you feel you are preaching the word of God in any way? In, no, in a way. Uh... Yes, but not for the reason that you may think or the audience may think. Uh, I often say that uh, the reason that your first hundred million looks like a large Bible, gold leaf, red uh, or kind of uh, reddish leather, gold inlay letters, etc., uh, is because I'm telling you what the Lord knows. Now, when I say that, I'm being somewhat uh, sarcastic. Um, not because I'm getting the information directly, as Moses did when he, he, he printed up the ten tablets and he came down from the mountain. But I am telling you uh, what the, the Lord knows vis-a-vis -vis experience. There's not that many people on the planet. There are some, but not many, that have more experience than I do. Uh, reference things I talk about. Um, and in the coaching arena, there's virtually, you know, I don't know of any, maybe there are, but I don't know them. Uh, 
so when I say I'm telling you what the Lord knows, I'm telling you what tens of thousands of cases, case studies have, have shown me. And I, I laugh and chuckle sometimes, which isn't really polite. When I hear these other guys, you know, the two things that make me chuckle the most are boot camp and best practices. Boot camp, you've already heard me say, these guys would know a boot camp if it bit them in the groin. Uh, because, and, and I think it's a disservice to the kids uh, that are currently service, servicing or ser serving this country and other countries in the military and people like myself that have served uh, honorably. Um, but the other thing that uh, makes me chuckle is when people say that this is best practices. Okay. Um, if what they're talking about is best practices, I'm telling you what is the best of best of best practices. I mean, because best practices don't always win. Best practices don't always come to show you the, the final result that you're wishing. All best practices for normal people or normal companies or regular, regular folks is that in their way they found out that this works a little better or a lot better. What I'm telling you, it is the best of best practices. It actually works and it creates wealth. As, to me, there's a, there's, there's a big difference. So when I say I'm telling you what the Lord knows, I'm telling you what the best of best of best practices are that have been effective, not just for Dan Pena, because all you guys can't be me. I've heard that uh, a jillion times. I, we can't be you, Dan. We don't have your charisma. We don't have your uh, communication skills. We don't have your self-confidence and all the other reasons you use you, why you're not me. But as I've told you, if you can be 5% as good as I am, you'll make more money than you can carry away in a dump truck. So I'm telling you what the Lord knows, or as close as I can to what the Lord knows. So if in that way, I'm, am I preaching the word of God in a way, if God has picked me, and I'm not saying he has, and for some of you guys, you don't believe in a, in a higher power or God. I, ha I happen to be one of the ones that does. I was raised a Catholic, and I'm, uh, and so, but I am uh, preaching the word uh, of what I think the Lord would tell you. <clears throat> and as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> your first hundred million in the stuff that I, uh, I uh, coach, beat, preach, whatever you want to call it, at the castle, is just like Moses coming down from the mountain with the tablets. Because that, that, the stuff that I'm talking about is in concrete, fucking concrete, that it works. And again, not just for me, with some people would say superhuman communication skills, but for guys that have very little communication skills and gals as well. So as a religious man, they're giving me more credit than I am, uh, I do believe. Do you feel you are preaching the word uh, of God in a way? And that's why I said the answer is yes. Uh, but please, don't give me more credit than I'm due vis-a-vis <clears throat> uh, -vis religion. Uh, notwithstanding, my wife and I uh, support um, orphanages, uh, and uh, they happen to be Catholic orphanages, uh, and uh, uh, more recently, uh, a school in Rwanda, uh, which I'd, has no religious affiliation. So I hope I answered that question. And what is your opinion about we should take less risks as we get older and be careful with our assets? No, what we should do is because we've gained experience through years of investing and making mistakes, 
our risk exposure is less because we know what risks really are. It's not because we are taking less risks with our assets. Again, see your own lawyer, accountant for your own personal advice. Uh, how do you deal with the banks threatening to close your property? I assume that means uh, foreclosure. Well, I rant and rave and scream, uh, you've got to, you know, uh, why? I assume that uh, if they've given you lead off, lead time, you've got nothing to complain about. But if all of a sudden one day the bankers walk in uh, with foreclosure papers, then you have legal recourse and you can do something about it. Uh, but most people uh, get ample time, so you really have uh, no excuse. Why are people getting afraid to approach venture capitalists or private equity people in today's bad market? They've always been afraid. They're not afraid today. They're always afraid because they don't understand. Uh, even private equity, they have to get the money out. They may not like your transaction. They may not like you. But there's a higher probability they're going to like you if you've got a, a mentor chairman with a good track record. Other uh, uh, members of the team that have great uh, track records. Uh, an, uh, an accounting firm and a law firm that is uh, uh, on uh, your extended dream team uh, that is giving you uh, uh, success, fee, success fees until you roll up, it's rolled up in your first transaction. Um, the only difference that I see in today's market than five years ago's market is that in today's market you have to make more uh, uh, presentations. And why do you have to make more presentations? It's not so much because it's a bad market. It's because the guys with the money have more fucking opportunities to put their money. So they look at more transactions. Uh, what is the secret uh, to marketing? Well, there is no secret. The secret to marketing, uh, the, um, and there's different forms of marketing, but I'm assuming um, for the purposes of this podcast that he's talking about internet marketing because that's what most people do because that's what is the easiest to do. But marketing is um, finding a need and fulfilling it. Uh, and marketing doesn't come cheaply. It comes ch cheaper in, uh, or on the internet, I should say. Uh, but the secret to marketing is testing, retesting. My old friend, uh, uh, Jay Abraham, who used to be a, a neighbor of mine uh, many years ago, uh, uh, in the first seminar, real seminar I went to outside uh, the Dennis Waitley seminar that I've talked about, said uh, marketing is testing. Uh, and that's what it is. Uh, and failure is just testing. So the secret is persistence. Focused uh, persistence. Uh, how big should the profit margins be in a business? I like big profit margins. I've said this many times. I like profit margins that are at least 20%, but I even like 40% profit margins better. Uh, retail businesses that have 1% or 2% margins are tough. And the reason why I like big margin businesses is because you kids can't manage. It's very difficult to manage successfully a, a small margin business. Um, some people, unless you come out of retail and you really understand it, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying it's impossible because nothing's impossible, but I like big margin businesses because um, the, uh, it gives you more uh, uh, room for air and we're all going to make errors.
How is it uh, different in the market now and what has happened in the financial markets that have dried up? It really isn't any different. Um, as, as a slide in the beginning of this podcast, uh, they have crowdfunding now. They have a lot of other different things. But uh, if you're talking about uh, derivatives and all the other financial tools that are now in the toolbox, don't waste your time with those. I'm not saying that they don't work. I don't, I'm not saying that you can't make money on, at them. But I am saying uh, by the time you uh, go through the learning curve to understand those other financial markets, I mean, uh, you know, half your career will go, have gone by. Uh, the, the main difference is that everything is instantaneous now. Information is instantaneous. So bad news travels fast, uh, faster than good news. And uh, the, what's something that can be happening in Tokyo, like uh, the nuclear meltdown, can affect the uh, market in uh, New York City in just a matter of a few hours by the time you wake up. So uh, it's not that the other opportunities have dried up. They've only dried up for mediocre transactions. Money's still there for good transactions. Um, what's the current situation with banks? Well, that's kind of an open-ended question, but there's more money than, than, you, than you can imagine. The world is flush with cash. I've been saying this since 1993. I've been saying two things for the, since 1993 when I started. The world is flush with cash, one. Two, we have too much debt. And people said that I was a doomsdayer uh, until 2008 and nine. So I cried wolf for 15 years before the, the bottom fell out of, of the market. And I'm here to say it's probably gonna happen again. I don't know when, I don't know if it's six weeks, six months or six years, but the world has too much debt, it's pure and simple. And as long as the United States government keeps printing money, and as long as the uh, financial uh, uh, benchmarks or guidelines of the world in general are pretty piss poor, uh, that's going to happen. It's, uh, it's interesting to note during the depression back in the 20s and 30s, uh, no banks failed that I know of in Canada. There were no foreclosures, etc., etc. During the re recent financial crisis in 2008 to 2012 or 13, depending on how you want to count the numbers, the same thing happened in Canada because Canada takes less risk. Canadian bankers and financial guys are uh, more conservative. Now, that's tough when you're trying to borrow money but it's safe when you're trying to borrow money because um, the Canadian institutions are less likely to fund something that's going to go down a rat hole. What are your thoughts about partner affiliate programs on the internet? I, I assume they mean uh, by affiliate programs, uh, when you have affiliate programs, you have other people selling your, uh, your idea. Uh, I believe uh, things like ClickBank are just uh, big groups of affiliates. Um, I, I'm not an expert in that, but I do know that I, a number of my uh, very successful internet mentees uh, uh, utilize uh, affiliate programs, uh, and there's such thing as giant affiliates like Jumbleberry, which I'm cognizant of. Uh, they work okay, but the best way to make money on the internet is with your own offer, uh, your own financing through merchant accounts. I think they call them MIDs. Uh, and uh, through uh, the uh, management of your uh, merchant accounts. Anybody can get a merchant account. Not anybody can get five or ten merchant accounts, but the point is when you have chargeback and refunds, etc., it's management of those, um, th those finances that separates the big guys uh, that are doing half a million to ten million dollars a month in revenue and the guys that are doing ten to twenty thousand dollars a month in, in revenue. If you're young and you can do it all over again, I assume they mean me, 
If you're young, I feel young, damn it. I just had my 69th birthday all over again. What would you do? I'd do the same thing I told Rick Scott, who's the sitting governor of Florida today, my old lawyer, who asked me many years ago, Dan, you know, where, where should I go to make the kind of money that you, you made? And this was a transaction that we just completed. And I said um, healthcare and um, I said telecommunications, uh, which expanded into the internet. I say the same thing. Baby boomers like myself want to live longer. Uh, we spend more money on healthcare and we spend more money towards the end of our life cycle. Uh, and the internet is just expanding. People like Mr. Zuckerberg, uh, who bought Instagram, who, and you know, uh, formerly uh, Microsoft, uh, who's now actually just, a, uh, not just, it's still a great company, but I mean, it's a big conglomerate. Um, but I'd still go uh, to one of those two areas. Uh, how's the barrier entry to China? There really isn't. Uh, it's, uh, I found it easy getting into China, even though there's a, a, num a number of hurdles. It's getting money out of China that's more difficult uh, because they want you to keep the money in the country uh, and build the infrastructure of their, great, their, their greatly populated nation. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want to go over there and make 100 million, then pull out 100 million and go put it in Demi, New Mexico, that dog won't hunt. That's not going to happen. If you were to start from scratch, how would I do it? i do it just like I did it the first time. i find an area that I could be passionate about. In my particular case, it was oil and gas, not because I, was, uh, I knew anything about it, but I saw that there was a disparity and there was a lot of very unsophisticated people making a lot of money. So I fell in love with that, okay? I went and uh, I, I built a dream team uh, and I took it public. It's very, I do the same thing again. Um, and I'd, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily go back to oil and gas, but I would probably do something in healthcare uh, and or um, telecommunications, which is now the internet. Uh, this is a guy who says, Dan, I met with my potential chairman. He's a high-level cha chairman after listening to your tapes two weeks later, but he is asking me where I'm getting the finance. Um, then he's the wrong guy. You didn't sell him right. He's not, bought, he's not sold on you. He's not sold on uh, your passion. Uh, if he is, he knows for any good transaction or even reasonable transaction, the finance is there. What they, you will have trouble convincing older Dream Team members is the finance is available without equity or down payment that you'll be required to put in. Because that's old school, I'm telling you, quantum leap, new school. And it's not new school. We've been, I've been doing it for 30 years, and QLA, as it's called now, has been doing it 20 plus years. Um, but they have to believe in you. If they don't believe in you, then they're, you know, you, you've got the wrong person on, on the bus. But the finance is available. And I know you've spent time recruiting this guy, but you've got to move on. Dan, you clearly are uh, about transforming the world through the lives of the people you help, and you teach some pretty amazing things. Thank you. So my question is about your wider legacy. Uh, would be beyond those who have, uh, you have directly helped, and it is this. If you were to wave a magic penya wand and could have five of your most powerful ideas, concepts, st uh, strategies, uh, taught in your school systems 
to inspire and empower more of the kids to have the same sort of impact on the world that you have, what would they, uh, those five be? You guys are getting awful fucking esoteric. I mean, I'm not that much of an esoteric guy. And I, and, uh, I don't like, uh, and it's not that I feel uncomfortable with it, because I, there's very little I feel uncomfortable with, but I don't like having too much of Mother Teresa qualities uh, uh, you know, attributed to me. Uh, I'm not Mother Teresa. You know, I'm not going to be a saint uh, as the Pope is making her now. Uh, the, uh, you guys are, the, uh, you getting all my free content, me not selling anything, me telling you to go to Torrent, me having countless pages of content on my websites, uh, is a manifestation of me wanting to be the best high-performance coach that ever lived. So you're, you're the beneficiaries, not because I'm trying to be Mother Teresa, and, you know, uh, and not so much because I'm trying to give back. Uh, although I'm a, a very generous guy, and, and my wife and I support orphanages. Mother Teresa, too, or Mother Teresa's orphanages, coincidentally. But uh, uh, the five things that I would do is, aren't really five. It's only just one, okay? And I wish, I wish to hell um, that I had known this uh, so many years ago, but just fucking do it. I mean, it's, like I said, I think on the London Real uh, uh, podcast, which I thank Brian uh, Rose for the opportunity because uh, he opened up the, my eyes to podcasts, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about uh, my experience uh, with um, my reality show in a few minutes. But best advice I ever got from Mr. Grazos, do it. He didn't say just fucking do it. He didn't swear. Uh, and the best advice I've ever given anybody is just fucking do it. Uh, we take too much time procrastinating. We take too, and because we're afraid of failure, and, and uh, uh, fear is false expectations appearing real. We're worried about what other people think. We're trying to fit in. And I can go through a whole litany of bullshit. Not, it's not bullshit because it's not true. Litany of stuff why you are where you are because you just didn't do it. You didn't want to make a mistake. You got a mortgage. You got uh, two ex-wives. You got a 15-year-old daughter who's uh, pregnant. I can, your, your, your dad's got Alzheimer's. Your mother's got emphysema spitting up blood. I can go on and on and on and on. But the bottom fucking line is, if you had 15 years ago, you had just done it. 10 years ago, you had just fucking done it. Five years ago, if you had just fucking done it. Six fucking months ago, if you just fucking done it. You probably wouldn't be in the position you're in now. So I'm saying no matter what your age is, it's still time to just fucking go out and do it. Just go out and fucking do it. But thank you for the accolades and thank you for thinking um, of me in, in that light. But um, I'm trying to be the best high-performance coach that ever lived. Not just for you, but for everybody. And I want QLA to live on beyond uh, my mere 60 or 70 more years that I've got. Uh, and uh, uh, somebody uh, just, uh, one of my mentees, who I just um, uh, agreed to be uh, chairman of his uh, new company, uh, we were talking about the market, etc., and his analysis of the market. And uh, in my more recent, and this is my segue into the reality show, uh, uh, with um, the opportunity I got on London Real, he says, Dan, you'll be doing these well into your 80s. Well, I plan on being fit enough to be doing this well into my 90s. So a reality show, just an update, 
Uh, I am uh, now uh, a, uh, been taken up uh, by uh, one of the top leading talent agencies on the planet uh, to um, put together uh, a, a program of production companies. I met with the, the production companies, uh, the, one of the leading, if not the leading production company in the UK has taken me on uh, and um, will uh, put together a format for my approval uh, that they will then attempt to sell to the networks, uh, both uh, in the UK and in the US. It's going to be a different kind of format. It's not going to be The Apprentice. It's not going to be The Shark Tank. Uh, although, I, uh, with the greatest respect to the Shark Tank guys, I think that I, I could do that uh, better than they do. But I think I can do everything better, so it's no, you know, nothing against them. Uh, but it's going to be very different. They're going to come back with two different formats. I already like uh, one of the formats I'm pretty familiar with uh, because I partially came up with the idea. Uh, and they've expanded on it or are expanding on it. Uh, but this is all stuff that's going to happen in 2015. Nothing's going to happen this year. Uh, and I look forward to it. Uh, and for those of you that haven't read my newsletter or looked at my site, I'm inviting all QLA alumni uh, to my 70th birthday party at Guthrie Castle. It's going to be a shit fucking kicker. Uh, and uh, the, um, uh, there are going to be a lot of activities, one of which will be a golf tournament. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure what the prize will be for the golf tournament. It might be uh, to come back to the Castle Seminar. Um, there will also be uh, friends and family. Uh, and I'm trying to go back, uh, you know, 20, 30 years to find some people that helped me um, yeah, with my career. Uh, there aren't that many of them, because uh, most people thought I was fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, and they're probably right, but uh, they, they can't argue with my success. Um, and uh, one of the questions that I was asked uh, when I was interviewing with the production companies is, you didn't just all of a sudden come up with $50 billion, Dan, created for, um, uh, with and for your uh, mentees and value uh, and equity. No, I didn't. Well, why didn't you talk about it before? Well, frankly, the last time I talked about money was 1997 uh, at the Harvard Club, and I had only raised uh, 100 million uh, through my mentees or made or created. And they were so taken aback and aghast by it that I would uh, talk about money. I thought, well, if, I, if I'm going to have any success at getting people in the door for QLA, I can't insult them up front. Well, now I can insult you up front because I don't give a shit because I've had a lot of people through the door. So I only started talking about uh, the money I created uh, for you guys uh, in, uh, in the last uh, you know, year, more or less. Uh, and the number's still clicking and counting. Uh, earlier this year, somebody, one of my mentees, uh, popped out of the wall about creating $2 billion uh, that I hadn't on my, did not have on my list. Uh, and, and the number is greater than 60, or 50 billion. But not everybody wants uh, to be uh, uh, famous. Uh, almost all of you watching this want some extra wealth, additional wealth. But you don't all want the, uh, to be um, uh, in the newspapers or on YouTube. So I, I appreciate that, and I, and, I, and I keep that in confidence, and I keep uh, your, uh, your private information confidential. But the 50 billion I can talk about and easily prove as I did to the, um, the uh, production companies and, the, uh, uh, and uh, my talent agent, agency, I should say. So, um, but I, I hope you all, uh, or many of you, can make the, um, the, uh, 
70th birthday. It's going to be a, a, an event. Uh, it'll be uh, on YouTube for those of you that can't make it. And it's going to be uh, over two or three days, the, uh, the events. And I'm looking forward to seeing as many as I can. Uh, and uh, anyway, God bless. Peace. This is AskThe50BillionDollarMan.com's official disclaimer. Comments, questions, and remarks made during any part of this podcast are intended to generate discussion and reflection, but are not legal, accounting, tax, investment, appraisal, medical, or other professional advice or instructions, or factual reporting, all of which are expressly disclaimed. Remember, investigate before you invest. We can't do that for you. You are solely responsible for your investigation, analysis, and decisions made with your independent professional advisors, familiar with your specific and verified facts, and current applicable laws and regulations. Reliance on this podcast, its contents, or its participants for any personal or business decision, including but not limited to legal, investment, or other financial decisions, is disclaimed. No comment, question, or remark, or other content shall be or be construed as an express or implied promise, undertaking contract or agreement, or a waiver of any part of this disclaimer or applicable laws. The owners and distributors disclaim any obligation to supplement, correct, or modify the content of any podcast. No content shall be deemed to encourage evasion or disobedience of any law, or the submission to jurisdiction in any country. Reliance upon any facts assumed to be true for the podcast is disclaimed. Persons or entities referred to are fictional, and no depiction or reference to any person or entity is intended. Any seeming resemblance to an actual person or entity is entirely coincidental. All content is copyrighted and may not be used without written permission from Dan S. Pena, Sr.